The following conversational originally aired on The Point on KPOV 88.9 FM, Community Radio of the High Desert. Beginning on January 28th, the High Desert Museum will immerse visitors in the indigenous plateau worldview, reflecting knowledge systems of tribes along the Columbia River and tributaries in their new exhibit, Creations of Spirit. While another interactive exhibit, Under the Snow, introduces visitors to species that depend on the snow for survival, which should be of special interest to those of us Central Oregonians. In our studio this morning is Heidi Hagermeyer, Director of Communications for the High Desert Museum, who's here to tell us about these and other wonderful programs offered at the museum. Welcome, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me. Well, the High Desert Museum turns 40, yes? Yes, it's been a real celebratory year at the museum to reflect back on 40 years of wonder and raptors and awe and then look ahead to the museum for the next 40 years. Well, I know, you know, the, it opened in 1982 with the mission to widely excite and responsibly teach. That was their mission back then. How would you say they're doing with this mission? Well, those words were the actual words of our founder, Don Kerr. He said that this is what he really felt the museum should do and that curiosity and awe and discovery, that emotional response was really the portal to learning. And so we actually have wildly excite and responsibly teach in our mission statement to this day. And it's at the core of what we do day in, day out. It's truly one of my favorite places in Central Oregon. It's the kind of place I can go to and wander around. And every time I go, there's something new. In fact, I understand there's a new otter. There is a new otter. We have a third otter who uh, joined the museum in May and just went into the uh, habitat in September with the other two male otters. And he's doing splendidly and is a, you know, he's a feisty one. So they're getting a lot of play in the otter exhibit these days. I could sit and watch it for hours. It's really fun. You know, it's a really great job perk to wander down and get an otter break and see some otters swimming around. I, I concur. In uh, 2021, the museum got some national recognition, I understand, the National Medal for Museum and Library Service. So what did the museum do um, to get this award? Well, we were absolutely thrilled to receive this award. It is the highest honor in the museum world, and there were only three museums recognized uh, nationwide that year, and it was in recognition of both our response to support the community during the 2020 year, so a lot of the work we did around trying to support students and schools and families during the pandemic, and then also you know, a broader recognition of the work we've done up until 2020, so throughout those four decades. You know, I am curious. You brought up the pandemic in 2020. Um, the attendance, I'm assuming, dropped considerably. We were closed for a solid three months, and then... The 
restrictions on opening, you know, so we were open in different forms at times throughout the year and then closed for a little bit. So, yes, of course, we didn't quite have the uh, attendance we normally have. And you survived. We did. And it is so wonderful to be in a vibrant, full, energetic museum again. And we're having quite a number of live events as well. So it's feeling like we're back. It sounds like you're coming back with a you know, charge on kind of thing. Yes, indeed. So there are a a lot of uh, services coming up. Like one that has interested me and I haven't visited yet is Black Cowboys in the West. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, this is a wonderful photography exhibit um, by a photographer named Gabriella Hasbun. She's in the Bay Area and she does work for publications like Rolling Stone and Time. And she became interested in the Bill Pickett Invitational Rodeo, which is the nation's only touring black rodeo and has been in existence for decades and takes these wonderful images, not just in the arena, but behind the scenes. And some of the... Rodeo scenes are rural, some are urban, um, you know, very colorful and vibrant and unexpected. And so I think people will at once recognize it and yet also learn something new and seeing these really beautiful images. How do you decide what images? Is there a committee, a board? We have amazingly talented curators at the museum, and it's it's one of the joys I found in, in joining the museum is um, we do so much of what we do in-house. We do do some traveling exhibits, and we have some fabulous ones that come through, but a lot of the work we generate is done in-house, which means it's very specific and tailored to the high desert in this region. Um, and in the arena... Uh, our art curator found Gabriella's work and approached her to see if she would want to do an exhibition with the museum. So this is her first time having her work exhibited in a museum. It's exclusive to us. And how long is it going to go? When should people... In the arena is what it's called, Mm -hmm. and it is up through June 25th of this year. So you have time to come take a look. There was an exhibit and I don't think it's there anymore, though I'm wondering if there might be remnants of it. It was about Burning Man. Yes, that was a quite a popular exhibit. It was so much fun. It was interactive. You could go into this room and spin around and see how it impacted the lighting systems. It was really spectacular. Well, I think it goes back to that wildly excite and responsibly teach aspect. It's that You will find exhibits with a lot of text at times, but we also try to share content in a way that isn't necessarily all didactic, but is immersive and and sparks joy. And it's a good segue into Under the Snow, because if you want an immersive experience and want to walk into the deep forest in winter, Under the Snow is a good bet. Ooh, I think I'm going to go do this this weekend. (laughs) It sounds lovely. An issue that's really close to me is, um, and something that the museum promotes, is STEM access. And STEM, um, I know I've worked with different programs that really want to encourage 
young women to look at STEM. And STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. So you are doing some programs that offer access to STEM programs. Tell us a little bit about that. We are. And certainly STEM is infused throughout our educational programs and work with schools. So students who come to our kids' camps get to do really fun STEM-type things. So you have summer camps or are there year-round camps? We have summer camps and then during some of the school breaks. Um, And then we actually received a National Science Foundation grant to do STEM work in rural communities. In other words, how do we provide more STEM access in um, some of the smaller communities in the high desert? And we are in the second year of that grant and putting on these STEM workshops. And it is a research grant, so some of this knowledge will be you know, shared out and hopefully benefit other STEM programming. But that's an example of some of the work we do behind the scenes that you don't necessarily on necessarily see on the museum floor. Yeah, I'm interested in that for parents. I know a lot of parents listen to the show. How do they get their kids involved in the STEM camp? Well, I mean, certainly for the camps that are for summer camp and spring camps, Mm -hmm. we do a lot of promotion to let people know when those signups occur. I would suggest signing up for our email list, and you can do that on our website, highdesertmuseum.org, because we try to make sure everyone is aware of when those opportunities are coming up. Great. Do you go outside of the museum to serve rural areas like to eastern Oregon? Is there any access out there? We have done a bit of that work, and I think um, we hope to do more of that in the future. And you talked about the uh, creations of spirit. Can you share what that is? Well, this is going to be a really engaging exhibition. We're very excited. Um, We worked with seven different indigenous artists to create works um, that are traditional pieces. One, for instance, is a plateau flute. Um, And plateau flutes are fairly rare. Um, One artist created a tule reed canoe and paddles. And there's a couple of baskets in the exhibition. But I think one of the aspects that's really special about this exhibition is it it takes what museums have typically done with items, cultural items like these, where museums usually, if they have an item, they, they want it to be clean and they put it away in a vault that's temperature controlled and nobody touches it until it goes out on exhibition behind glass. And this actually turns that narrative on its head and um, embraces more the indigenous uh, perspective, which is that objects are really fulfilling their purpose when they get used in community and when uh, they are used to gather roots and the like. So you're going to come into the gallery and see objects that have already been used in community. Maybe they have dirt or huckleberry stains on them. Um, um, so it's it's really both this cultural and art experience. Mm. So well, someone's not walking around looking in, in little glass-enclosed types of um, display cases, but they're actually seeing it and walking amongst it. But it's like they're living it. They will see it that way. And we have video that's accompanying the pieces. So really a lot of the exhibition is told through the voices of the artists themselves to hear their perspectives on this work and its meaning and, and what they hope 
will carry on into the future. You're listening to the Friday edition of The Point. I'm Jackie Elliott, here with my co-host, Carolyn Eske. And we're continuing our conversation with Heidi Hagemeyer. She's the Director of Communications at the High Desert Museum. And I just wanted to mention, Heidi, that, uh, you know, every summer when my kids come, my grandkids come, that's the first thing they want to do when they come. They absolutely love the museum. And I know that you said uh, it's a great way for, you know, parent, grandparents and parents to get a membership. So I just wanted to talk briefly about the membership program that you have. And then I think Carolyn has some questions about the Under the Snow exhibit. Well, our members, of course, are very important to us. And I think one of the wonderful things is if you were coming that time with your grandchildren, you can apply your admission that day to a membership right away. And if you come just even a couple times a year, you have easily recouped that cost. But it's really just a great way to have access to arts and culture throughout the year in the community. And you also have some events for members too, don't you? We do have some exclusive member events and uh, normally uh, previews of exhibitions that are opening. We have wonderful uh, parties like we will have one for Creations of Spirit coming up at the end of the month for members. Um, So we really try to make that experience special. A couple things. I know that the efforts are being made to um, offer so much, and one is under the snow, right? So you're saying that this exhibit allows us to experience what it's like to live under the snow or what goes on under the snow? It does. So, of course, the high elevation snow can seem like a very quiet place, but it's actually teeming with life. And it's a habitat that this is one of my new favorite words, is the subnivium. (laughs) So when you enter the gallery, we have videos and projections and, you know, trees amongst you. So it really is an immersive experience. Um, The exhibit is in Spanish and English, Mm -hmm. so um, very accessible. And I think it's one of those wonderful exhibitions the High Desert Museum does that uh, can really excite wonder in children and learning, but also really engage those who are a little bit older as well. So bridging generations. Immersion, I think, really promotes a good learning base. You know, really living it. I'm a kinesthetic learner myself. And so when I'm in it, I can experience it and it just kind of jives in my brainwave so that I can remember it better. And so speaking of remembering and education, you're in a partnership with, with some tribal members to create resources and training for educator, educators to share stories of the region's indigenous people in elementary classrooms. What's that about? Is it a partnership in Redmond, solely in Redmond? We do an immense amount of partnering with regional tribes, um, particularly the museum at Warm Springs. And it's so important to be able to share stories in a way that is appropriate and relevant uh, for contemporary issues. And one piece that we've been working on relating to education is Oregon passed Senate Bill 13, which requires some historical teaching around um, the tribes of Oregon in elementary schools. And so all that curriculum needed to be developed. And so we are assisting in that process with tribal partners throughout the region, and um, that work is moving forward. So while there's certainly the 
content you see in the museum, like Creations of Spirit, there's also quite a bit of work we do behind the scenes. Partnering with educators, I think, is wonderful. So you do have a lot of students who are coming from the different schools on field trips, yes? Field trips are back this year. That is another layer to the COVID onion, but they had not been you know, back in the museum. And so we do have the halls filled with school children again, which is really a delight to hear all the energy and, and see that. Oh, they just emotion. love that museum. How long do the exhibits last? I, you know, so when you mention these, do we have like a month or two months or six months to go see it? Our temporary exhibitions are usually up around six months at a time. Oh, so we have... Some varying lengths, for instance, Creations of Spirit will be open through October 1st, mm. but uh, we do seven to nine rotating exhibitions every year. Wow, and Under the Snow, how long will that go? That will be up through May 7th, so into mm. the spring snowpack, but then it'll melt. Mm. Oh, that's too bad. Tell us how, you know, in, in the minute we have left, tell us how people can learn more and what's available on your website. Well, at highdesertmuseum.org, you can find our hours of operation. You know, the nuts and bolts of visiting. We're open right now from 10 to 4 daily. You can find upcoming events. For instance, we're having a prohibition party on January 20th. It's going to be a ton of fun. It's... um costumes, we're having a live band, and some dance lessons. If you wanted to learn to Lindy Hop, this is your time. And then um, there'll be some living history performances as well. So January 20th, it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, it sounds like And is that just open to the public to come in? It is open to the public, but of course tickets are discounted for our members as well. Oh, that's (laughs) a little motivator there. Um, uh, Speaking of uh, the idea of dance lessons and parties and prohibition, what do you like most about the museum? Honestly, and this is sincere... It's just seeing the mission come to life in the floor every day and see how excited people are. As part of our 40th anniversary, we had um, memory cards that people could fill out on the floor. And getting to read some of those have just been so moving to read the, I came in the 80s and it's what inspired me to be a science teacher. Mm. Or the the little kiddo who said that... um, he ate a chocolate cricket as part of the Halloween event. <laughs> he didn't know it was just a cricket, or there was a cricket. He thought it was just chocolate. <laughs> but um, just seeing what it has meant for people in their lives is really special. Well, thank you, Heidi Hegemeyer, for joining us today on The Point. Uh, you are a wonderful director of communications, just a, a great spokesperson for the High Desert Museum. And we hope you'll be back to keep us up to date on the changes and the new expanded offerings of available at the High Desert Museum. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, just a quick thing, do they have character who portray the times? We still have our living history interpreters, yes, and sometimes you find them out at the ranch. If it gets a little cold, they might be in the Spirit of the West exhibition. And that just makes the visit even that much more exciting. Well, Jackie, that about wraps us up today. Our Friday, the 13th edition. It's been a lucky day so far. Thank you, Heidi Hagemeyer, for sharing current information about the museum. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert. For more information or the KPOV program schedule, go to kpov.org. We welcome feedback.
drop us a line, podcast at kpov.org.